This show may contain strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit our website at mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of violence against transgender people, transphobia in the workplace, and the use of a transphobic slur. It also contains discussions about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Friday, we continue to be gay. Saturday is the gayest day. Sunday, yeah, it's still gay, but we also record a podcast. Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Christina. My name is Jen and we are your co-conspirators in plotting whatever the heck cisgender straight people think we're doing. Hey Jen, what's on the buy schedule for today? Well, we have a lovely guest by the name of Joan and later, of course, we're going to play a game of some sort. Excellent. <laughs> Hello, Joan. Hello. Hi. Uh, so, guide us through your queer journey. Oh, it's a long one. Um, <laughs> well, we're here for the ride. <laughs> Excellent. So it started when I was pretty young and, you know, still kind of assuming that I was a cis straight boy, which, spoiler alert, I am definitely mm-hmm. not. <laughs> and when I was around 13, my best friend came out to me. Well, he came out to our mutual friend, who then told me immediately. As as high schoolers are wont to do. Yup, yup. It was it was quite frustrating because I was like, look, we're best friends. You should come out to me first. Very insulted. But <laughs> mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, kind of sparked something in my head where I was like, wait, this is an option. I can do this. Um, <laughs> so, of course, I did what all middle and high schoolers do when they have something they don't understand. I went on the internet. Mm. Um, Perfect. Looked at lots of porn and also just some articles. And I was like, oh yeah, dudes, they're pretty attractive. So I called my girlfriend up and I was like, hey, uh, I'm gay and we should probably break up. And she cried and I cried and then that was over. And I went off and I got my first boyfriend. And it was a little weird. I was like, wait, I, I thought I liked this, but like something's a little off. Broke up with him, too. Went back to the internet. Read a bunch of <laughs> queer web Jeeves, comments. solve this for me. Yeah, exactly. It was Ask Jeeves. And I, I discovered this amazing trans webcomic called Venus Envy. And it just resonated so much with me. And that was really scary because, you know, in 2000, 2001... When you go on the internet and you research about being trans, what you hear is that um, you're going to lose your whole family. You're going to lose all your friends. You will probably have to move to a new town where nobody knows you. And that's your, like, only chance of having a happy life. And also, you're going to have to spend a year dressing, living like a woman before any doctor is going to consider giving you hormones. Mm. Um... And, like, you know, maybe you'll get murdered. So I read all of that, and I was like, huh, that's really, that's not going to be my life. 
I'm yeah, that's a little wouldn't... terrifying to unpack. Yeah, yeah, and I did not want to unpack that, so I stuffed it all back in the box, and I was like, I am definitely not trans. I just convinced myself I was trans. And I, you know, spent many, many years being like, wasn't that silly when I convinced myself I was trans, but I'm really not. So, you know, I went off and I got a girlfriend and was like, I'm bi, I like men, I like women, um, and I really want to wear dresses, but that's just because they're more comfortable than pants. So, you know, I did that for many, many years until I was like 28. And then my sister had a, for her birthday, she had a dress like your favorite feminist party. And I was like, well, my what favorite feminist think? is definitely Tina Belcher. Um, yes. <laughs> so for the first time, I dressed up as a woman. And uh, I was kind of like, shit, this feels really good. But still, I'm not trans. I just love dressing this way. So mm -hmm. I would when I was at home. And if I had a really bad day, then I would go home and I would put on a skirt. And I would look in the mirror and be like, oh, I hate the top half of my body, but this skirt is kind of nice. And I did that for a couple years uh, while dating my lovely partner. Um, and I told her about it, but never, you know, dressed up in front of her. And then we moved in together. And I was like, huh, I should probably start dress, stop dressing up because I don't want to weird her out. I don't want her to break up with me. You know, I know she's heard about it, but hearing about it and seeing it, very different things. So I stopped doing that. And suddenly I was extremely stressed out and I was angry all the time and I was upset and I didn't understand why. And this whole time I was seeing a therapist for like depression and anxiety. And like on the first day when I saw the therapist, I came in and I was like, sometimes I like to wear women's clothing, but it absolutely has nothing to do why, with why I'm anxious and depressed. <laughs> um, and let's certainly not talk about that because I just could not engage with that. But you know, after stopping dressing up and getting all upset, he kind of mentioned like, hey, you're not doing this anymore and now you're upset all the time. Maybe we should talk about this. Um, <laughs> so we did and we did several Maybe months. Maybe there's a connection here. Yeah, see this is, therapists are smart. They're much smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> so we spent several months doing the, before I would say anything, I'd be like, well, I'm not trans, but, and I just did that qualifier for every single thing and then eventually I got to the point where I was like you know I was wearing my girlfriend's clothing sometimes and I was feeling a lot better and then I stopped and I was feeling worse and I was like shit this that seems to indicate something um and one day I was just like I'm a woman and it felt so good and validating and you know I told my partner two days later I told my family like two weeks later and I just kind of really jumped in with both feet after putting it off for, oh gosh, like 16 years or so. Um, Wowza. Yeah, and that's my really long explanation of my journey from straight to gay to bi to trans to lesbian um, and a little bit back to bi, but cis men <laughs> mostly gross me out. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> Not physically. Physically, they're very beautiful. But then I talk to them, and 
yeah, it just doesn't go as well most of the time, so... I feel that, I feel that. I just can't get into their culture, you know? A hundred percent. And I have a friend who is a cis man, and he is like, you know, he is really involved in the queer community and really trans-friendly. And like him, he's hot, and I would date him. But like, most cis men, no. Yeah, I always hmm. pull the, I don't hate cis men, I'm dating one. Like, I can't <laughs> hate, I can't hate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I've had, I've had cis men say that to me to, like, explain why they're not misogynistic. And I'm mm, like, yeah, I don't think that's how it works, actually. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Turns out wanting to fuck somebody is not the same as respecting them. Who even knew? Oh, that has been a huge part of my trans journey because yeah? so many people want to fuck me now. Oh. And sometimes mm. they do things like offer me money so that I fuck them. And I'm like, I don't think I ever said I was a sex worker. I have a lot yeah. of respect for them. A lot of my good friends are sex workers, but I would prefer if you didn't assume I was a sex worker just because I'm trans. Yeah. That is very baffling to me, quite frankly. Wow. Uh. Yeah, what, what is the possible connection there? I mean, if you see trans people in media, and it's gotten a lot better in the last couple years, but in general, if you see mm -hmm. trans people in media, they're sex workers. Um, That's very true. Yeah. And to be fair, about 10% of trans people have done sex work because jobs will not hire us and transition is expensive. Yeah, mm. that's true. And like not to knock sex, uh, which you're not doing, but like not to knock sex work at all. Like we're sex work positive here on this podcast. It's just like, like don't you don't assume. Yeah. That's our general rule, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> you you don't assume and it shouldn't be something that people are forced into because like, you know, you go and you try to apply for a coffee shop and uh, the phone interview goes fine and then they look at your face in person and they're like, oh, it's been filled actually. Ah. Mm. But <laughs> um, the idea of like assuming other jobs though, just imagine going up to like sort of like a wafy hipstery type and just handing them money and be like, make me an espresso. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. Because you don't see them as a person, you just see them as, like, a an type. espresso maker. What people with PhDs in history do. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> they're, they're just commodities. Yeah. Uh, so you had mentioned before, like, your um, misgivings about accepting your trans identity because of horror stories of getting ostracized slash attacked in any way. What has it actually been like? It has been... Pretty amazing, especially with the people who are in my life because I love them. And that's part of actually what drove me to come out was realizing that if I have people in my life who would not be accepting of trans people, I don't want them in my life anymore. Mm. Preach. So, you know, coming out to my family, I wrote them an email on my birthday. <laughs> Basically just telling them my whole journey and like that I wasn't positive. I was positive that I was trans. I wasn't positive that I was a trans woman, but like this is something I was going to be exploring and I didn't want to hide that journey from them. And then I told them that I was turning my phone off and my computer off and I was not going to see any responses for at least a day. And then of course I obsessively checked my email for the next <laughs> six hours. Right. Um, <laughs> 
I was, I was about to say, that is a lot more than I could do to just, like, turn off my phone and email after sending a huge email. I know I would be on the obsessively checking train. <laughs> Definitely, but I didn't want to... I didn't want to talk to them. I didn't want to have to have that conversation that day. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, I lay in bed and cried for a while. And then I looked at my phone and I had the nicest email from my mom, which was basically just like, I'm actually kind of happy to hear this because I know you've been sad for so long. And it's nice to know that there's a reason and that there's something that can change. So that you're not so sad and withdrawn. Oh, that's very good. It was so, I mean, so I probably should not have been as worried as I was because both of my parents are family therapists. They are like just such loving, welcoming, accepting people who also think a lot before they say their things because they're used to doing therapy. Mm. So yeah, that all went really, really well. All of my friends were super accepting. My partner was super accepting. She, I was super impressed by this. She has not messed up my name or pronouns once, not even like in the middle of sex when she, you know, we're both quite distracted. She always gets it right, which I really appreciate. Um, So yeah, it was really positive on like the friends and family side of things. Uh, The work side of things was a little more difficult. They definitely said they were accepting, but yeah, so I don't have that job anymore. Um, ah. I, this was a company I had worked at for five years when I came out. I had been the director of engineering there. They were really happy with my work. Um, and then I came out and suddenly no one's listening to me in meetings anymore. And mm. my boss is telling me that... I am not doing a good job at my job anymore, and he doesn't think that I have what it takes to do my job. Hmm. Um, And just, um, I feel like I went from being, you know, I'd been at the company longer than anyone else. I was very well respected there, and I went from that to, um, you know, being on a performance improvement plan, and my boss telling multiple people that I work with that he was trying to fire me. He never told me that, but he told people I worked with, and they told me. Um, so I, you know, I, I did not get fired. I ended up quitting that job. Um, and I got a better job two days later for more (laughs) money. Nice. So I was kind of like, okay, this is okay. I can live with this. I'm a little frustrated that I had to deal with it, but like it's livable. Yeah. It's, I, this is, uh, like stories like yours are why I'm always, um, hesitant about, uh, corporations or people in general who claim to be allies of any marginalized community because oftentimes it's a lot easier for them to just say that they're allies than it is for them to actually like cultivate a safe environment for marginalized communities like most of the time they never actually do the work that is required. Y'all, I still don't trust Chick-fil-A. I still don't trust Chick-fil-A. Oh, God, yes. Everyone who knows me knows that if they go to Chick-fil-A and they tell me about it, they need to make a donation to a gay rights charity. (laughs) I love that. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to implement that. Yeah. It would be better if they just didn't go at all, but, like, if you're going to have homophobic chicken... (laughs) <laughs> Give some money to gay people. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, what you're saying about companies and really organizations in general, um, my experience has been a lot of them feel like just saying that they don't discriminate and mm. saying that they support, you know, the LGBTQ community, that they think they're done then. They think that's all they need mm-hmm. to yep. do. We, we, well, we, I said it, didn't I? I yeah. We, we, we put a magazine in an ad with a rainbow, so we're done, we're right? We're good. We're good. Yeah, and we, you know, we only hire good people here, and good people don't discriminate, so we don't discriminate. Yep. And it's like, mm. no, dis- Good people can still be transphobic. They can still have ideas or, you know, just... It's the, um... Ah, it's not implicit. What is it? The, like, sur- the under-the-surface stuff that people mm. don't think about, but it still affects their actions. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I don't know the specific word for it off the top of my head, but I know what you're talking about. Um, just stuff like that's just sort of baked in. Yeah, re- refusing to check themselves on things and I, I find that like so common in like the theatrical community of which mm. you are uh, like you do comedy yeah. correct like in the community I like I don't know what your experience is as a trans person but like in general I feel like there's a lot of like in the theatrical or comedic community where it's very 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 easy for them to be like oh, well, we're theater people, so of course we accept queer people, obviously, Mm. but there's still a lot of, like, internalized homophobia, transphobia that they just refuse to check themselves on because, of course, they're they're accepting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you definitely see a lot of that, especially in improv, because so much of improv is just, like, going with your first thought and like you're on Mm -hmm. the spot and you're trying to do things quickly and you're trying to be funny so then you reach for stereotypes and you know a lot of people if they get called out on that they're like oh but it was just a joke um or i didn't mean it in that way and it's like okay but it's not just as producers of art and i'm using that term very loosely but as producers of art and culture it's you know your responsibility to not do harm yeah mm, absolutely a lot of people feel like they can just like get away with being oppressive or like promoting oppression because it's quote just comedy which i have often argued nothing is ever just comedy like comedy is an art form like it, it does make us laugh and it it's it's lighthearted, but it's still an art and it takes work and practice and a lot of skill so it's mm-hmm. not okay to just say that something is just comedy because it does have an impact on the world that we live in and the sort of behaviors that we promote definitely yeah and like, I mean, I, I watch a decent amount of TV, and one thing that has been hard about my transition is noticing how many TV shows that I love have at least one transphobic joke. Yep. And like, even stuff I wouldn't expect it from, like, you know, Arrested Development. Oh, they, they get very transphobic. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, it's, it's funny because obviously I've been trans my whole life, but... I've only really admitted it to myself in the past year, and I never really noticed that before. Like, it would just kind of pass me by, and now it just pulls me right out. Yeah. It's... Arrested Development is a very hard watch 
now in 2018 because like even the uh when they mounted a new season on netflix a couple of years back they still relied on a lot of transphobia and like there was an entire arc in season three where the joke is that he was dating a um like a mentally disabled person Ugh. yeah that was a whole arc and they used the R word against her and like a whole lot. That was the whole that was yeah. the whole punchline was like, get it? She has a disability. Ha ha. And I mean, like, outside of the, the social repercussions and alienating your audience, it's also just like really lazy writing yep. to fall back on this stuff. So like I mean, yeah, I I've done improv and especially when I was younger sometimes the first thought that pops into your head isn't a good thought and you say something kind of gross mm -hmm. but like then it's not like oh it's just a joke or like yeah. it's just that's how improv works it's just like you can apologize and you can work harder on rewiring your brain so that kind of stuff doesn't pop up first yeah and if you do if you know that you are capable of doing those things, if you're capable of your first thought being offensive, add a little interrupt. Like, just before you say something, think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's what I always tell people about pronouns, like, especially if you're in any sort of queer space or if you're around people who are trans, add a little interrupt before you say a pronoun for them. If you know that you have trouble gendering people correctly, because I know it feels like a small slip, but it can ruin someone's day, or days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned to me um, uh, during our previous correspondence about friction between uh, the trans and gay communities. Uh, if you'd still like to talk about that, I'm happy to give you the floor on that subject. Part of it is that there are some people in the gay community who think that trans rights are kind of a distraction and you see this a lot especially in like the big organizations that are fighting for the lgbt community they tend to mm -hmm. fight more for the lg community so you know in the past when legislation has been passed to protect people's sexual identities, the trans identities are kind of left out because it's easier to pass the bill without us. Um, <sighs> and that's really frustrating to trans people because, you know, I don't know if everybody knows this, but we kind of kicked off Stonewall. Like, <laughs> y'all definitely kicked off Stonewall. That's a quantifiable fact. <laughs> yeah, like, y there's, I, I don't know if you've seen the movie they made, but it was not some white gay boy. It was- oh my God, that movie. Oh my God. Talk about whitewashing, ciswashing, if there's a term for that, a whole narrative. Oh boy. Yeah, so there's, there's stuff like that, but then there's also a lot of... I've met a lot of, especially white, cis, gay men who feel mm -hmm. like they, because they're gay, they cannot discriminate against people. You know? I've met a whole lot of them too. <laughs> <laughs> and this comes up especially around like RuPaul's Drag Race, mm -hmm. where they will, they will fucking die for that show. They will defend it to the ends of the earth. They will defend RuPaul's right to say the word tranny 
And, you know, I just, I want to put this out there for all the cis people in the world. If you say the word tranny, I will fight you. It's not your word. You do, you do not get to say that no matter what. Yep. Nope, 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 nope. So I I guess the friction just mostly comes from feeling like the trans community is kind of, it's an afterthought and it's mostly there when you know the lgb community wants to take our culture or take our accomplishments and that's very frustrating to me Mm. yeah i often find a lot of the problem too uh especially since like the acronym does lump in both sexual and gender identities then people will say stuff like oh this thing was a big win for the lgbt community and it's like no. Uh, trans people were not involved with this particular thing in any fashion. That's just, like, the the fact that they're part of the acronym that you just used doesn't mean that they've had any sort of uh, uh, advantage over this, like, particular thing that occurred or involvement in this story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... Oh, you mean, like, when a TV show has, like, a single gay person in it and they're like what a triumph for the lgbt community yeah yeah or even on the broader sense like uh when marriage equality was passed that was considered like oh this is big for like the lgbt community and it's like yeah a lot of trans people are queer but also a lot of trans people are straight too sometimes they'll they'll probably also marry uh like people who are a different gender than them, so... Yeah. Uh, like, you, you can't just, like, lump that in. And, like, even for the trans people, like, trans women who are lesbians, in a lot of states, they could get married because legally in the state, they were mm-hmm. considered a man. Yeah. Which is its own fucked up thing. I, I saw a button that really mm. resonated with me recently, um, and what it said was... Queer liberation, not gay rights. To me, what that means is there are so many people in our community, both trans people, but also like gay, bi, lesbian people of color who are homeless or they can't afford medication um, Mm -hmm. or they like they get kicked out of their family. Like, yeah, gay marriage is great, but let's focus on making sure that everybody in our community is safe and fed and, like, loved before we start worrying. Or not before we start worrying, but while we're worrying about, you know, the stuff that affects rich, cis gay men. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways where, like, even when laws change, they're still to the advantage of privileged groups. So there's a lot of things, like oppressive things, that the law cannot change, like uh, like personal uh, prejudices and things like that. So, like we have to work on all of those things. It's it's a lot that we have to fix, but it, it we're the marriage equality was not the end of our story. Definitely, and like honestly, before marriage equality, I would love for it to you know not be legal for someone to use my transness as a defense for murdering me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is legal in a whole lot of states. Mm -hmm. 49 out of 50, and it literally just happened. A man pushed a trans woman into a river where she drowned, and his defense was that um, he didn't realize that she was trans until they started making out, and then he freaked out and pushed her into the river, 
and um, he's not even getting manslaughter charges. Oh my god. That's fucked. Even though he killed a person. Yes. Jesus I, H. You know, in most states, it is perfectly legal to fire me or to deny me housing because I'm trans. You can't mm-hmm. do that for gay people, but you can do it for trans people. So just like, let's let's fight this fight. Yeah. There's there's a whole lot to work on. Uh, so, uh, moving along, <laughs> yeah. is there anything... Uh, <laughs> I know that you had uh, given a little shout out to the cishet community, or cis, uh, you had specifically said cisgender people about a misconception but is there are there any other misconceptions that you'd like to clear the air on right now and get it out of the way so you never have to hear it again um definitely um one is that most trans women when we do have sex don't want to penetrate you with our junk so uh straight dudes on grinder stop asking me to fuck you in the ass i'm not gonna do it um, another misconception is that we love RuPaul's Drag Race. We don't. We hate RuPaul, mm. most of us. He's pretty transphobic. Yeah. Don't ask me if I saw the latest episode, because I haven't. Mm. I get that a lot, too. People always think I watch RuPaul. No, I don't, because he literally just did a hugely transphobic interview just the other day. Yep. Like a yeah. week ago. Can't even yeah. blame it on the past. It was the other day. A terrible apology, too. Oh, the world's garbagest the, apology. The train's pride flag. <laughs> that was so beautiful, though. I, I am claiming the train's pride flag. It is mine now. <laughs> All trains yeah. are now owned by trans people. Pass it on. If you're riding a train, surprise. Yeah. I will cop to watching the show, but also, like, as soon as somebody asks me about it, I'm also like, yes, but let's first, let's talk about all the problems, because first, boy, are they there. First, here's my PowerPoint presentation on the gender politics of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, and I definitely, like, if people enjoy RuPaul's Drag Race, I don't mind that. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough queer representation in media to, like... Mm-hmm throw aside things just because they're problematic um, in some way, or they're hosted by a problematic person. Mm -hmm. Like, enjoy what you enjoy, but also maybe recognize that, like, I I spent so many hours last week arguing on the internet with cis gay men about Mm -hmm. RuPaul. Um, Probably Mm -hmm. wasted effort, but just, like, if a trans woman tells you something about transphobia, think about it for a little bit before you just say, no, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, a trans person is correct about the trans experience. That might be a controversial statement. <laughs> <laughs> My experience says it is. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, so, as is the namesake, Joan, what is on your gay agenda? A big part of my gay or trans agenda um, is just getting my narrative out there because so many trans narratives are, you know, when I was three, I told my mom I was a girl. And when I was seven, you know, I was wearing her clothes. And like, I've just Mm -hmm. always known something was wrong. And the fact of the matter is that narrative... um, 
really only resonates for around 20-25% of trans people. The mm. much more common thing is like, you have no idea. Maybe you're sad all the time, but you don't know why. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, that was a hard part of me coming to terms with being trans because I was like, I didn't have this narrative. So getting my own story out there and also getting stories out there about trans people that are not about transition and that are not depressing. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I know I've talked about a decent amount of sad stuff on this podcast today. The fact of the matter is most of my life is amazing. It's not the sad stuff. It's going into stores and having, you know, people who are helping me compliment me on my nails um, and just treat me as a woman. And this world that I just didn't realize existed has just opened up for me. And that's my life now. And it's so great and lovely. And that, that is what I want to put out there for trans and questioning people because the narrative so often is determined by cis people choosing what what gets out there. Yep. Deciding mm -hmm. that we all have tragic backgrounds. Exactly, exactly. And it that's I feel like that's common not just for trans people, but for minorities, you know, all sorts of minorities, the stories that the mainstream audience wants to hear is like overcoming adversity. Yeah. And like <laughs> it's like, no, we're we're people who have happy lives. We're not it's not all sad all the time. And if all the stories available are sad, then a young trans person might look up <laughs> only sad things, just like you did. <laughs> and it's... Yeah, mm. If there's nice stories, it's just another resource, too. Yeah. Besides just being good to see nice things about your community online. <laughs> oh... I like that gay or trans agenda item very much. Thank you, Joan. Uh, so now we're going to move on to the game segment. Jen, take it away. All right. So this is um, another episode of the game Gay in the Life, which we played in Megan's episode. And uh, it's based on the improv game Day in the Life, where the improvers ask an audience member to describe their general day to day. And then they improv a scene based off of that. Uh, I asked a local straight what he thought. <laughs> what this he is thought. the hot cishet intel that I know we've all been looking for. <laughs> so I, I asked a local straight what he thinks the general average uh, queer day-to-day -day is like. Um, and I will read it to you and then you can do um, a monologue or if you want to do more of a scene, me and Christina can jump in. Whatever you like. Okay, so according to our intel, the average... Uh, queer person wakes up and looks at the lovely rainbow outside their window, takes off their onesie pajamas and hops into the bathtub with a rainbow bath bomb, of course, drives their tiny cute car to work at Tim Hortons, where they will probably spill hot coffee into the lap of a racist, <laughs> goes clubbing after work, and then hits up Walmart at 2 a.m. for uh, probably coffee tomorrow for tomorrow, and then goes home, smooches their significant other, and together they sing We're Not Gonna Take It before they go to sleep. I mean, it sounds pretty accurate, but uh, yeah, I think we can do a scene off of this. All right. So, uh, welcome to the Rainbow Store. Uh, just before I check you out, I really need to see your gay ID. 
Oh, of course. Hold on. Uh, cha cha cha. God. I, I always put it in the wrong place in my wallet. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <sighs> I'm... Oh, I'm so sorry. I think... I think this has expired. You're kidding. <laughs> I know. I, I just... Re I feel like I just renewed it. Like, I feel like I just renewed it. We, we, we send out the letter... Once a year, you gotta you gotta put your your gay money in the envelope and send it in. Oh gosh! Oh man! Oh my gay money! I totally forgot about that. Oh man! Ah! Uh... I understand though. I understand you need your rainbows. I don't wanna. I don't want you to go into gay withdrawal. Yeah, it's it's gonna be pretty bad. I I like. I need these bath bombs a lot. Is there anything we can do? I mean, you 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 have your rainbow tattoo, right? Oh, yeah, obviously. Uh, right, yep. I, I can let you slide today with... Oh, on the butt. Interesting choice. Yeah, I, I, I thought it'd be fun and flirty, you know, but um, right now it's just not fun and uncomfortable. I, I, we actually, I could have, we have a curtain you could have gone behind, but... <laughs> no, no, you know, you sometimes, like, you know, when you have a gay tattoo on your butt, you just kind of have to, like, let that freak flag fly. Um, definitely, definitely. And you might actually get a date out of this. Um, yeah. Oh, all right. Aren't I fortunate? <laughs> but uh, the gay tattoo, is it, is it good? Am I good? I do need to get to uh, Tim Hortons right away. Uh, oh, yes, yes. The, the one other thing we just need, because you're going to be late with your payment... We're really gonna mm -hmm. need you to convert at least one straight straight person in the next month. Yeah, I, right. I, or your membership is just gonna be called into question. I'm I'm sorry we have to do this. Uh, Pulling up your records, it looks like you got three people last year. So I know I know you're putting the effort in, but I'm I'm trying very hard to make everybody queer. And and this outfit, I feel like is doing that. Yeah, I just thought like. You know, the more the more leather, the better is kind of my <laughs> motto. It's kind of just like my way of living. All right, I, th I definitely think I can convert somebody. There's this racist at my work who I think I can evoke some sort of Pavlovian response. Every time that he's being straight, I'll just uh, pour coffee right on his lap. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we need more racists in the gay community, though. <laughs> I think, yeah. I, I think well, we're a little full up on racists. What if I just poured coffee on him until he just started being an acceptable human being? I, I think that's a great plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of conversion therapy for racists. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Are, are we good? Do you need anything else? Um, I mean, it'd be nice if you paid as well. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Man, we we got right. deep in conversation. It's easy to forget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'll be uh, 12 rainbow bucks, please. All right, hold on. Uh, here are my 12 rainbow bucks, spelled with a Z at the end. Oh, of course, of course. Perfect. Yeah. And just have a super gay day. Believe me, I will. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jen. I am delighted. <laughs> <laughs> The, the second we got into that, I was like, shit, I'm doing the one thing they tell you in Improv 101 to not do, which is a sales scene. You know what? We, we carried through and it was ap applicable to 
the process and I also probably just asked a whole lot of questions, which is also a no. It's I gave you a birthday present with no with nothing inside. To be fair, I think questioning a lot is the queer experience. A <laughs> man, you just gotta attack me with with that relatable <laughs> hashtag uh, relatable content. All right. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Joan. Uh, did you have anything that you wanted to plug? Yes, definitely. Um, one thing is my improv group, Ryan Rebel Presents. We are doing a oh, show Ryan. on this Friday, the 16th, at Venice Island in Maniunk. If anybody wants to come out and support us, that'd be lovely. Um, and if anyone listening to this is trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, and they are interested in doing comedy in Philadelphia, please reach out to myself. Um, we are starting a trans non-binary comedy group so I can accomplish my trans agenda and we can have more happy trans stories out there. Hooray! That sounds awesome! I think it's going to be great. As always, if you're interested in finding me online because you think I'm funny or whatever, you can find me on Twitter at underscore glittergoblin underscore or on Instagram at glitter.goblin. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, which if you're on it right now, hooray! Perhaps rate us and give us stars. Uh, whatever the rating that currency is. Rating, yes. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast, and on Twitter under the handle Gay Agenda Cast. Until next time, put this in your gay agenda. Fight the power. Love yourself. Go get some groceries. You gotta stock up. You ran out of bagels. It's been snowing a lot. And that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. We just want to exist.